Well, when, you, when we began our studies this year, and then we came to a sudden stop at First Chronicles and inserted Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms, you may have wondered, well, what's the deal? But you're going to find out tonight, I think, that the, tonight's lesson especially is going to be a review uh, for us all of First and Second Samuel and a little bit of First Chronicles. I, my slide here uh, is wrong. It is uh, the second uh, lesson. So we're going to talk about Psalms related to David's life. And again, I want to put this up here that if you have an interest in receiving my notes or if you have a desire to study more, I have only uh, put up five the first five psalms on the, the website uh, as a study of each psalm, but God willing, when I'm able to uh, be able to type and uh, think a little clearer, uh, that will begin again, uh, but you may want to remember that. Also, how important is instruction to you? You know, when we take uh, someone from the civilian world and we... He joins the army. We bring him in and we spend 12 weeks teaching him the very basics. That's why it's called basic training. The very basics of firing a weapon, the very basics of working as a team, the very basics of survival and, and other things that he's going to need as a so, uh, to know as a soldier. Then once he finishes that, we're going to send him uh, probably to anywhere from 16 to 24 weeks, depending on what he signed up uh, to do, to train him in what's called advanced training, where he's going to begin to learn more about being a cook or being a, uh, a medic or whatever he is determined to be. And then as he gets out of AIT, he's going to go to more specialized training. And probably after two years, he's going to get to a unit finally. And throughout the rest of his a career, he's going to have instruction over and over how to fire the weapon, how to fire different weapons that are different from his, how to survive, and he's going to repeat things over and over. That's why I like this study of Psalms. It is a repeating of the Old Testament. Things that have happened before in our studies and things that are uh, to come. And so we look back at God. God has revealed himself to his creation. He has saved them. He has chastened them. And he's judged them. And we live under a new covenant. But we still have to understand God's character and God's uh, will. None of that has changed for man. God is still the same God in the New Testament <clears throat> as is being talked about here in the Psalms and in other books. These Psalms were written in the context of physical Israel to instruct them, to teach them. And Solomon even said that instruction, we need to take hold of it. We need to do not let her go. Hang on to it, for she is your what? Life. 
you know, if a soldier forgets how to react in a spontaneous incident, relying on what he or she knows, it could cost them their lives. What about spiritual soldiers? You're all soldiers. Those of you who've been baptized into Christ, you... You're, you've completed uh, a little bit of basic training, and now you're going into advanced individual training where you're going to learn more and more <clears throat> about Scripture. And one of the things we need to constantly remind, instruct, and practice and hold dear to our hearts is the character of God, the character of Jesus, the character of the Holy Spirit. So uh, a number of these psalms, as we said, are about David tonight. We're certainly going to look at psalms uh, that give us an idea of the spiritual side of David, the inner man of David, as he dealt with those things that we looked at in Samuel and in Corinth. We're going to uh, be given kind of an intimate look inside him at his feelings his desires, his remembrance, and the things that he depends on. Uh, <clears throat> these psalms about David tonight <clears throat> are brought forth uh, certainly in uh, the New Testament. Uh, Acts 2 and verse 30 uh, talks about David being a prophet. In Acts 2, beginning in verse 2, he says, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said it. The rock of Israel spoke to me. And God had that, uh, David had that relationship with God. That he spoke to God as a friend. He was also noted as one who was after God's own heart. Because of his great faith in, in God. And so as we look at this idea of David being a prophet, uh, we're going to study some of the uh, messianic prophecies. But even in tonight's lesson, uh, we're going to see some uh, elements of prophecy here. And we remember as we talked that uh, in the subscripts of your Bibles, under the chapter, it'll have a psalm about this or a psalm to David or a psalm of David. That may simply mean it is either David's own writing. It may be that it is about David or it was written for David. Psalms 110 uh, is of Davidic origin. Uh, our Lord said for David himself, said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David call, himself calls him Lord. How is it then, how is he then his son? Prophecy. Peter's argument from Psalm 16 makes a clear case uh, of depending on David uh, to make his point. And he says beginning in Acts 13 verse 33 that God has fulfilled his promise to those of us who are the descendants by raising Jesus, as it was also written, listen, in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have fathered you. As for the fact that he raised him from the dead, never again to return to decay, he has spoken this way, I will give you the holy and faithful mercies of David, 
And therefore he says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For David, after he served God's purposes in his own generation, fell asleep and was buried with his father and underwent decay. And so they point backwards and they point forward, just as the entire Holy Scripture does. And I marvel at that. I marvel that it folds back in upon itself and it reminds and it instructs over and over like this training of the physical army. The spiritual army needs that too. We need to look back and we need to look forward so that we can gain through the present. David is speaking in these Psalms that we're going to read using his own expression from his own experience. And when we are able to do that, when we can be given this picture inside someone's mind and heart as they are undergoing these things, it teaches us, it instructs us on how we should behave when we encounter some of the same things. And David expressed his feelings boldly you know, we're told as Christians, to, to how are we supposed to enter uh, to prayer with God before His throne? Enter how? Boldly. Boldly. What does that mean to you? To enter boldly. Confidence. Confidence. Lay it out there. God needs to hear you express yourself. God needs to hear his creation use this wonderful, wonderful device that God has put into play, which usually, and I say this in my case, normally it and the brain act together. Sometimes there's a disconnect. God wants you to hear, God wants to hear you say exactly what's on your mind and tell him how bad you feel and tell him how much you need improvement. He already knows that. But he wants you to do that, and he wants us to do that. Some information, about, again, about these superscriptions that you may have in your Bibles. Uh, a lot of these don't necessarily make the point of who is the author, because we simply don't know a lot of them. But they do, uh, rather than give us authorship, many of them point to what is taking place in this particular psalm that we're about to read. And so many of these titles are historical in nature. When you read uh, in your Bibles in Psalm 3, what is that about? What does your, your text say? What is Psalm 3 about? When he fled from Absalom. When he fled from Absalom. Who was Absalom? His son. We're going to talk about that. Look at Psalm 7, a meditation of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. We're going to look at that. Psalms 18 spoke the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from all of his enemies from the hand of Saul. Are any of these things coming back to memory over the past eight, ten months? Or any of these names. 
Psalm 34, a psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech who drove him away and he departed. And I, uh, when I always read or study that portion, I, I'm trying to envision David with, you know, just the stuff running down his beard and his, his eyes are maniacal and uh, probably looks a lot like me, you know, sometimes in the morning. But uh, it's, just, it's just a picture that we can put with the psalm. And we remember uh, that incident, and we can listen to David's side of it. Psalm 51. What happened in Psalm 51? Who came to see David? Huh? You can shout it out. Nathan. What did he come see David about? Bathsheba. 52. Contemplation of David when Doeg the Edomite... Remember Mitch talking about Doeg, the Edomite? Psalm 54, a contemplation of David when the Ziphites went in and said to Saul, Is David not hiding with us? Psalm 57, a victim of David when he fled from Saul into the cave. Psalm 59, when Saul sent men and they watched the house in order to kill him. Psalm 60, when he fought against Mesopotamia and Syria of Zobah, and Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Are they, is it all coming back to you why we spent so much time this year talking about all of these things? Because the children of Israel did. That's what they used the book of Psalms for. They used them not only for songs and worship, but... They use them to instruct and remind the children of Israel about the character of God and their character, which was not always even close. Psalm 63, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Psalm 142, a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. And we're going to read some of these. Uh, as I said, David had two periods of trouble that he wrote these psalms about. The first time of trouble, you might say, was during the reign of Saul. The second period that he had difficulty with was during the latter part of his life when he was attacked and chased by whom? Rebelled against him, wanted to be king. Who was it? You mentioned, mentioned it a little bit ago. Absalom. And so we look at these two times that he had trouble. And they were difficult. Well, you say, well, there were other times of trouble. What about Goliath? Well, we're going to look at that. What about Bathsheba? We're certainly going to look at that. But I think when David was on the run, he had the most difficulty understanding why he was having to endure such things. I used to, uh, and I do occasionally still, but sometimes if I'm going or approaching a difficult time in my life, I would sit at my desk and everything would be quiet and I would write. I guess it's because I'm a better writer than I am a speaker. But I would write 
what I am facing and what I think may happen. And then I would write down what I remembered about God in times past. And I would write these out and I'd be very honest. And I would wonder, why me? Why do I have to go through this? And now at 72 years old, I look back at those things and I laugh because they were for my instruction. Did you ever sit down and write a psalm yourself? Or spoke it to yourself? Meditated? You ought to try that sometime. It doesn't have to be a mournful. You ought to just sit down and write what God has done for me in the past. And what I learned from that instruction. I'm sure David and those who followed after looked at the instruction that David left and saw great teaching. Hey, I've been through something like that. Or he went through that and mine is not nearly that difficult. And so we're going to divide based on these two major events. We're going to look at some little smaller things. And the first one, in the early days, uh, Saul was the king of Israel. And we go back to 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, that God decided to take Israel away from him. Why did he do that? What central... He didn't obey the voice of the Lord in doing what? <clears throat> Hack. You remember that word? Hack. Agag. Well, it's difficult on a Wednesday night to hear that. Hack agag what? To pieces. Did he do that? No. Destroy every living thing. Did he do that? No. And so he failed to obey God. And we read in the next chapter 16 where Samuel was sent to anoint David as the next uh, king who would take place. And after that, what happened with the relationship between David and Saul? Would you say it soured a little bit? Deeply. How did David... After Goliath, how did David even get into the court of uh, Saul? Do you remember? What one talent did he have that was the only thing that would soothe King Saul? He's a musician. And his harp. He had a lot of pluck, you might say. But that relationship soured. And we studied that. And we looked at how uh, narcissistic and how selfish and self-centered Saul was. In Psalm 23, which Leland did a wonderful job, I watched it and I watched it on TV and we threw, Young and I threw popcorn at everybody when, when they get made a, uh, made a statement. But it describes some of the things that David had on his mind during this period. He was confronted with this idea of death at every moment when you're dealing with a king who sits with a javelin in his lap ready to throw.
I just can't. As many times as I, you know, here's a guy obsessed with his javelin. He can't even eat dinner without having his javelin with him. His days of exile. David was exiled many times, and they're related to this period. A lot of them, when David had to flee from King Saul, and uh, this, this period uh, spanned uh, from South, uh, uh, 1 Samuel 21 through 31 from Saul's death and David's anointing. He was on the run, and you remember Leland stressed that. Running from cave to cave and uh, not knowing who your friends were, not knowing where a safe haven was, not knowing uh, when would be your last day or not. But we find in the 23rd Psalm, which you all studied last week, David knew God was his shepherd. And because of that, he would not, there are a lot of things you could say, he would not want, he would not fear, he would have no reason for doubt that God was his shepherd and would take care of him. Turn, if you will, to Psalm 7. <clears throat> Some interesting things there. And uh, again, with time as it is, I may have to spill over into next week. But if, if I do that, it'll be a good thing. And we'll, we'll end on the right note if God gives us the time. Psalm 7. O oh Lord, my God, in you I have taken refuge. Save me from all those who pursue me and rescue me, or he will tear my soul like a lion. What does that describe to you? It describes someone in great fear, doesn't it? Did Saul hint that he was going to kill him, or... Did he demonstrate he was going to kill him? Did he tell him he was going to kill him? He told him he was going to kill him. And he brought a lot of men with him. Dragging me away while there's no one to rescue. Oh Lord my God, if I've done this, if there's injustice in my hands, if I've done evil to my friend or have plundered the enemy for no reason, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. And let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, Lord, in your anger. Raise yourself against the rage of my enemies and stir yourself for me. You've ordered judgment. Let the assembly of these people encompass you and return on high over it. The Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to the righteousness and my integrity that is in me. Please let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God puts hearts and minds to the test. My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who shows indignation in every day. If one does not repent, he will sharpen his sword. He's bent his bow and he's taken aim. He's also prepared deadly weapons for himself. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, an evil person is pregnant with injustice. 
and he conceives harm and gives birth to lies. He's dug a pit and hollowed it out. He's fallen into the hole which he made. His harm will return on his own head, and his violence will descend on the top of his own head. I will give thanks to the Lord according to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Does that give you a little bit of what was on David's mind as he ran? Had he done anything that justified this bounty hunt? No. And he couldn't understand it. And he asked God, why are you letting this happen? Wake up, rise. Show these people who you are. His trust in God had not departed. It was there, but like us, he had these feelings, these emotions running that he was an innocent man. And he was being hounded and chased so they could kill him. Now think about another man who from that day on they sought to kill him. Which one would you Seditionist, this thief, this murderer, or this man who has done nothing wrong, who, when they killed him, he was surrounded by them. I wonder what was on his mind. I know it was us and obeying the Father. But maybe, maybe, but we don't know. The danger that David faced is described in these first two verses. He was in danger. And then in verses 3 and 5, he talks about the unjustness of this. And he talks about his, uh, did you catch that statement? He, He talked about those who were seeking him as being what with injustice? New American Standard says pregnant with injustice, meaning what? They were fertile with being unjust. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a continual thing. And then he calls upon God to rise up in judgment over his enemies And David describes how he will deal with them. Remember the fiery shafts and the indescribable horrors that God has for those who would harm his children? How about you? Is that instruction for you and me when people don't like us? When people hate us? When people would would seek to do harm for us? Do we still have that trust in God? That regardless of what man may say, it is God who holds our soul and our lives in his very hands. And then he says, you remember, I will praise God. Do any of you have any questions or comments? I've ranted on for a good while. Any comments you'd like to make about chapter 7 or 
Okay. Then let's go to Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? Does that sound familiar? For behold, the wicked bend the bow, and they've set an arrow on the string to shoot in darkness at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the sons of mankind. The Lord tests the the righteous and the wicked, and his soul hates one who loves violence. He will rain coals of fire upon the wicked, and brimstone and burning wind will be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. The upright will see his face. Now, based on what we just read, what would you see here as the general challenge of David? What was, what was the fleeing into the mountains David was talking about? Was he told to flee in the mountains at one point? Back in Samuel? No? Yes? Nope? Maybe? Okay, I got three answers. Which one's right? He was told to flee into the mountains, wasn't he? But he chose not to go. Now, when you read the rest of the psalm, what do you think was sustaining David in this plight? What was keeping him going? What was keeping him from just giving up? Have you ever given up on something? His, his knowledge of the justice of God. Huh? It was his knowledge of the justice of God. His instruction, and as a result of his instruction and his experience, he had the knowledge of God. I'll make him wait now. See, let, let my buddy back there go unpaid tonight. All right, Psalm 52. Any other comments or questions about Psalm 11? Have you ever been in a position where you just said, I'm going to give up? Yes, I have. Can't do it anymore. And I've said that about spiritual things too. And there's a witness here who will tell you that. All right. In Psalm 52. That's one I didn't write out. So excuse me. Psalm 52, why boastest thou self in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. The tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy you forever. He'll take you away. He'll pluck you out of the dwelling, thy dwelling place and root thee out of the land of the living. The righteous shall also see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever. And ever 
I will praise thee forever because thou hast done it. And I will wait on thy name for it is good before thy saints. So uh, he's talking about boasting. Do you remember Doeg? We talked about Doeg. Who was Doeg? See if you remember. What relationship was he to someone? Just raise your hand and we'll get a mic to you. Who was Doeg? Wasn't he Saul's chief shepherd? Confident of Saul? That made him what to David? An enemy. An enemy of David. In verses 5 through 7, God's vengeance is threatened on Doeg. And David sums up the psalm for praising God. And all of these things that are going on in David's life, the one point David makes is regardless of what's taking place, I'm still going to trust in God. And not only that, I'm going to praise God. And I'll tell you in my place, it's usually after I have endured something that is so difficult and potentially devastating that I thank God that I went through that. Because I see what I learned. I see how strong my faith was. I saw where my hope was. And I was able to, to uh, correct it. And so there are other psalms that talk about this particular time. Psalm 18, 54, 56, and 57, and others. Uh, again, if you want any uh, copies of my notes, you're welcome to them. Now we come to his days as king. David becomes king. And they're not as uh, great in their difficulty, maybe, as they were from Saul, but there are psalms that represent David's expression as God's king over Israel. Was Saul God's king? Trick question. Well, yes, he was. But whose king was he the most? The people's king, wasn't he? That's how he got there. Because he had that look and he had that swagger. And that's what everybody else's king looks like. They don't look like God. And so we turn to Psalm 20. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you on a day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. May he remember all your meal offerings and accept your burnt offering. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill your whole plan. We will sing for joy over your victory. And in the name of God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your desires. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven. With the saving strength of his right hand. Some praise the chariots. Some praise their horses. But we will praise whom? 
name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen. We have risen and stood upright. Save us, the Lord. Uh, save, Lord. May the King answer us on the day that we call. Now, what do you find in there that would tell you that this is during David's reign? What do you see in that song? Anything? The Lord saved his anointed. David's still standing, isn't he? The Lord has saved his anointed, the one that he chose to be anointed, not the one that the people chose to be anointed. We're getting close on time. Uh, in Psalm 31, uh, Lord, in your strength the king will be glad, and in your salvation how greatly he will rejoice. You've given him his heart's desire, and you will not withhold the request of his lips. For you meet him with the blessing of good things. You set a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked for life from you, and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation, splendor, and majesty that you place on him, for you make him blessed forever. You make him joyful with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord. And he goes on to describe how God will recompense those who are against him, and he will exalt those who are for God. He says in the final, in the final part of verse 12, you will take aim at their faces with your bowstrings, and closing again, with this wonderful praise. Be exalted, Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. So just one final question. How would you characterize the message of this Psalm 21 just in general? Is it a comparison of those who follow God versus those who don't? What do you see in it? I asked for life and you gave it to me forever and ever. Does that, does that point strike home with you? He still, he still has enemies, but he no longer fears them. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have enemies. I wrote about a preacher who many, many years ago passed away and in his obituary or in his uh, eulogy, someone said he had absolutely no enemies. What would you think about that being said about a preacher? What were you when men speak, all men speak well of you? Yeah. If we're doing right, we're going to have enemies. Jesus said... They're going to be in the strangest places. They may be, your wife may be your enemy. Your mother and your father may be your enemy. Your brother and your sister may be your enemy. All kinds of people will be your enemy. Sometimes your enemies among your spiritual family. Anybody else have a comment on that? I'm going to stop right there so that we can uh, finish this up next week. 
And if you will pardon me. Uh, oh, we got another one here. I was just going to say, I think it points out that there are two sides. The one side is aligning yourself with the Lord, and the other side is being an enemy. There's, there's no middle ground. It's one or the other. Yeah. And that's true. You're either a friend or an enemy of God. And for those who are friends of God, then we ask for life. He sent us life, didn't he? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And we have that life. How long? Forever and ever. Praise be to God. Glory in the highest. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you all for your attention tonight.